When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. Well, the inevitability of it all. You're going to talk about gadgets. <laughs> I'm going to say uh, I don't want to buy that one and tell you about all okay. the gadgets I have that don't work anymore. So what are you going to well, start we, with? We are going to go automotive um, for the first part of today's show, and we're going to talk about the squad. The squad being a new two-seater electric car mm-hmm. and what's new about this one is it's solar powered it has panels on the roof and they reckon in a typical european summer whatever that is like <laughs> i can't imagine probably not in same a typical, as a british one <laughs> european certainly summer. not since brexit anyway indeed the um uh, the solar panels will give you up to 12 miles a day which if you're just sort of commuting down the road to your office, will be empty. If that's not quite enough, it has a swappable battery, and the battery looks a bit like a suitcase. It's got a handle on the right. So you can sort of buy two of them and take one out to charge Mm. and slip the other one in your car, and that will give you up to 62 miles. So not a huge range on this thing. But it's only €5,750, which is under £5,000, depending on where you get your Mm -hmm. euros from. And um, it's a two-seater. looks a bit like a golf cart, and it has optional doors. (laughs) I love that. You remember when you used to buy cars and there were all the optional extras? Doors never seemed to be one of them. They they didn't, but um, they are now. (laughs) Anyway, squadmobility.com, should you want to buy one of these. And they look very cute indeed. They really do. Well, I must say, under five five grand for an electric car is quite good. Presumably the doors are rather take it to over 5,000, I imagine. The doors probably do, yes. Yeah, but I for a city runabout, that seems quite Yeah, seems no, it's quite pretty good. good, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They don't go very fast, of course, but there's in the city you can't go very fast anyway. Well, that's absolutely true. Yes. Now, should you fancy an electric car, but that one is not quite souped up enough for you, how about the new DeLorean? Does DeLorean yes. still exist? Well, yes and no. Oh. I mean, no, obviously no. But a company oh, yes in Texas well. bought the name right. DeLorean. And they are just about to release the Alpha 5, uh, which they are publishing in full on their website um, this afternoon. But since we're recording this yesterday, because tomorrow is a bank holiday, and in fact, today is a bank holiday, if you're listening today, in fact, last week was a bank holiday, if you're listening to the podcast later, then... Yes, this is like some really confusing episode of Doctor Who. Well, yes. we don't have the full details because the details are coming out yesterday afternoon, which we haven't listened to yet because currently we're yesterday. Yes. Oh, I, I, I understand sense. that. Yes. Exactly. So it is based on the design that uh, DeLorean was working on when they went bust in 1982. But this is an electric car at 300 mile range, and it still has the trademark DeLorean dull wings. Possibly not the trademark DeLorean smears of cocaine on the seats. Remember that John DeLorean? Oh, yes, yes. That was his downfall. Um, And that is rather amusing. It will do 0 to 60 in a fraction under three seconds. And it will also do 0 to 88 in 4.35 seconds, which anyone who was a fan of 
Back to the Future will know that 88 miles an hour is the speed they had to get up to in order to oh. zoom backwards through time. Clever. Nick and employed to get a few more people who are Back to the Future fans to buy them, right? Exactly. It does cost a bit more than the £5,000 that the squad car cost. It is uh, $175,000. Not £105,000, of course, although I imagine the shipping will probably add a bit to the cost. Yes. Yes. That's well, nice okay. idea. Yes. Yeah. It's out yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. It will well, be out have, there. Let's have one of these. Of course, if you could go to the future, you could probably pay for it more cheaply. Or would it be if you went to the past? I don't know. I've confused myself now. Um, well, what in next? The future, in the future, it might then be a classic car, in which case it could be worth even more. That's true. You're probably so you, best so you it in the past. take it for a test drive, send it to the future, sell it for an enormous amount of money, which somehow you can get back, and then you can afford it for it'd be next to nothing. Yes. Brilliant. Absolutely. I don't know why we didn't think of that first. <laughs> right. What now? Um, well, we're still on automotive, but we're talking about the new Volkswagen van. And this is based on the classic 1962 Type 2, which when you think of a VW camper, this is the car that you think of. Except this one is an off-road VW camper. What makes it off-road? It has eight wheels, of which the back <laughs> two the back two have cap- caterpillar tracks. So four axles, caterpillar tracks in the back two. And it can go over snow and sand. It can go through shallow streams. It looks absolutely bizarre and glorious at the same time. And uh, they describe it as an ideal helper for everyone. And they list the kind of everyone they're thinking of. Mountain hut keepers, hunters, foresters, doctors, and um, maintenance engineers for ski lifts. Doesn't sound as though we're including any of those categories among it doesn't, everyone. Does it? It doesn't. No. You might have to stick with the DeLorean after all. It does sound like fun to take for a, a little spin. Though. It does sound like a lot of fun, doesn't it? Uh, no yeah. idea of price on that one. I've only made one so far. I don't know how many they're planning on making, but it is. No, well, the real trouble, of course, it's still a camper van. It is still a camper van. But for people who like camper vans, that's an advantage. Yeah. You yeah. and I? Not, Not so really. much, perhaps. Not no. really. Not really. No. No. I like the idea of a lavatory to lift it to plumbing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. When you don't so have to empty you, um, somewhere. Yeah. If you happen to be a maintenance engineer for a ski lift and you wanted some kind of vehicle, but you didn't want a camper van, you might look at the Optibike R22 Everest, which is, it's a new electric bike with a 300 mile range. They describe it as the only e-bike able to climb Mount Everest on a single charge if there was a road. (laughs) (laughs) That's a marketing meeting in which alcohol was consumed, I think. Absolutely, and they perhaps would have rethought it. That is based on going at 15 miles an hour with pedal assist set to low. You could claim that that virtually if the DeLorean will get from the United States to Britain, you know, in one... Uh, battery charge if there was a road. I mean, if it was so downhill all the way. Things. Yes, I mean, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. This one comes with two batteries, which are independently swappable, so you can have one charging up while you're racing around yes. up Everest. On the, of course, coming down from Everest, it's just downhill, so you can freewheel all the way. But that's, if there um, was a road, yes. If there was, if there was a road, indeed. Uh, starting at £14,225, so not cheap for a bicycle, even one that could climb Everest if there was a road. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> just, it just seems utterly, utterly bizarre. Who's going to pay 14 miles? But some people will. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
All right. It is. It is a little bit bizarre. Do you want one of these? Yeah, go on then. And we're staying vaguely automotive. We're this time moving to a car park, specifically a car park in Southsea in Hampshire, where Mm -hmm. they are installing a pizza vending machine in the car park. Wow. Um, Delivering pizzas for under a tenner. at uh, with flavors such as pulverized pepperoni, which frankly doesn't sound like a good thing to do to pepperoni under, in any circumstances, and a pizza they called pig and pineapple. Now, I've had a think about this, and I reckon the pig and pineapple, ham and pineapple, yeah. that's a Hawaiian, isn't it? So I, I, thought Hawaiian, I thought Hawaiian was just fruit. No, no, I think Hawaiian has uh, ham in it as well. But oh. calling it pig and pineapple, I mean, it's got the alliteration. Well, they've got that with pulverized pepperoni as well. Maybe it's just they like the alliteration and they don't care. About well, it. I quite like alliteration. Yeah, do you like it on your pizza though? No. You know, because you know, you're going to end up with things like mm, sausage and salt, aren't you? Which is not a good combination. Or artichoke and asbestos. I mean, you, you, alliteration, I think, is a good way to, to devise new recipes, even for pizza. But it comes from uh, Pizza Rebellion, but there has been a local rebellion from local GPs who are saying, this is ridiculous. We're trying to counter obesity, not boost it. And they pointed to the fact that by 20 years' time, 70% of the population of the UK is scheduled to be overweight. Well, I don't know you can blame one pizza machine in a car park. uh, No. That'd be a long queue if 70% of the nation was going to be using the one machine. In it order would to be become overweight. Yes. yes. Well, maybe they're going to open up more car parks. It's about, well, what's the weirdest thing you've seen in the car park? In France, you often see laundromats in car parks. Car parks. The weirdest thing I've seen in a car park was a, a vending machine that looks like a standard sort of Coca-Cola vending machine, but this one mm. instead vended maggots. Oh. It was in a high fishing area. Oh, wow. Yes. But you've got to be very careful when you buy one of those. If you're not wearing yeah, those glasses. Yes, 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 exactly. If you think you're about to get pig and pineapple, you'd be very surprised. You certainly would. <laughs> um, let us take a breather. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose. You are listening to Gadget and Gizmos on Share Radio, where I'm in conversation as ever with Steve Kaplan, taking us through some of the some of the more sensible and some of the least sensible ideas oh, well, in the world of tech. I think it's time to talk robots, since we haven't mentioned them on this show so far. We're already halfway through the show. Um, nuclear fusion. So nuclear fusion mm-hmm. is the goal of um, well, much of humanity really. If they can make nuclear fusion work, then we have uh, cheap, sustainable, safe energy for the foreseeable future. The trouble is, the interior of nuclear fusion, um, whatever they're called, tanks, bottles, devices, silos, I don't know, it's very hot and it's radioactive. So the UK Atomic Energy Authority has come up with robot snakes. How about that? And they are, they are snakes so they can crawl through the pipes that go into the fusion silo. Um, and they are not just snakes, but they are snakes fitted with lasers that can um, melt and indeed weld steel. It sounds like so, a horror film. Snakes well, equipped imagine, with lasers. You imagine some of those escaping. Yes. Yes, yes. indeed. Snakes on planes. Yes. Yeah, yes. But snakes with lasers. 
crawling through your pipes and coming up through your plumbing. No, yes. not very nice at all. We had robot rats last week, didn't we, or the week before? We did have robot rats. And yes. Robot rats are robot snakes now. This is getting scary. Uh, and indeed... Once it's robot spiders, I'm never leaving the house. OK, how about robot crabs? Would oh, you go for robot crabs? I don't know. My, well, I can't, my, dad worked at the, my dad worked at the UK Atomic Energy Authority. That's where he, did he? Yeah, it's where he started his professional career. I can't help feeling did, did he, uh, he wouldn't have expected robot snakes. Sorry? Did he glow in the dark when he got home? No, no he didn't. Oh. Though, though in his sort of latter months, he seemed to think that possibly something he'd been playing with when he was well. young may have actually caused his downfall. But he never glow, glowed in the dark as far as I'm aware. Hmm. Oh, well, that's very good to hear. Uh, yes, robot crabs, as I briefly mentioned there. This is an initiative from the Northwestern University in Illinois, hmm. and it is the smallest remote control robot yet devised by the mind of man, or indeed the mind of woman, or the mind of whatever gender. But, I mean, crabs aren't that small. You've come up with some very, very this, small robots before. This crab is half a millimetre across. Good grief. Yes, indeed, good grief. So how does it work? Well, this is a really ingenious part. It has six legs, which are made of a shape memory alloy. So it works a little bit like, um, like those biometallic strips, you know, when they one side heats up yes, faster yes. than the other side, so they bend. Yeah, we did that no-level physics, so yeah, I can remember. Exactly. Lately. It is just like that. It has six of those biometallic mm. legs. And when the crab is scanned with a laser... Uh, a scanning laser that moves across it, then the legs will heat up in turn and then they contract after the laser's gone past them. So by doing this in turn, it enables them to walk and this tiny crab can walk along. It's not quick. It can cover a distance of one millimeter in four seconds. Right, okay, so all very clever, but why? Oh, I think because is usually. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Because yes, you don't think scientists all over the world are getting together saying, "Look, we've had robot snakes, we've had robot rats. What other animal can we now imitate, and how small can uh, we make it?" Yes, that could be it. That could well be it. Um, robot robots, I suppose, are the next thing we're going to wait for. But uh, yes. who knows what they're going to be like? Well, robot radio presenters. Then we could be, you know, sitting having a chat while our robot alter egos are doing all this. Yes, and bearing in mind that um, at the time this is actually going out, we will be sitting doing something else. Then uh, that's I'm true. Waiting. I'm getting tangled up in my own time that's conundrum. True. Yes, you're 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 waiting for your DeLorean to come back from the future. Yes, <laughs> I'm doing just that. <laughs> yes. Um, right. Well, we haven't had one of these for a little while, so let's have one now. <laughs> This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadget and Gizmos. I'm talking to Steve Kaplan. Oh, you and I are, uh, well, we are are gentlemen of a certain age, or somewhat uncertain age by the time we get to our age, I suppose. But Mm. if you looked, if you were just over 18, but you looked under 18, you would have difficulty buying things. Um, And uh, and you're required to produce ID. Mm. You you haven't always got your passport with you, I think. 18-year-olds very rarely have a passport with them. And no, I they they tend to have... Bought, to, there are cards you can get now, because I know from my own children. There are cards. Yeah. Yes. Well, when I bought my son uh, an air gun for his 18th birthday... Being I a responsible parent. 
I had to produce photo ID proving that I was over 18. And I said to the man, don't be ridiculous, look at me. He said, no, no, it's the law. Anyway, the, um, the 3 million UK downloads of an app called Yoti, Y-O-T-I, which is a mm. digital IT app. Right. And the way it works is you upload your passport to the app or other photo ID. They say, I can't imagine what other photo ID they could be thinking of. Anyway, well, younger that, people have driving license with photographs on them. That might do. Yes, I suppose they do. Yes, they have those as well. Then the app takes a, a photo of you and compares it to the photo you've uploaded. And if, mm -hmm. uh, if, it, if it matches, then it's used. And it's currently used in um, 30,000 convenience stores um, where people are buying. This is the list they gave me of things that people are buying. Calpol, energy drinks, and teeth whitening kits. I don't know what kind of 18-year-old these people are imagining, but not, not a breed that I've ever come across. <laughs> well, obviously, they've, got, they've had children very young. They're completely exhausted, and yes. they smoke too much. And they smoke Drink too much, much tea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the, the news this week uh, is that these are now being accepted uh, by the UK Cinema Association. Uh, who monitor 90% of the UK cinemas. Yes. So if you want to go and see an 18 movie and you are 18, 19, or a young-looking 20 or mm. 21, then you can now do so with this app. That's, that's, that's our app that's of the week, I suppose. Well, well, yes, I suppose you should get it as well in case you buy your son another air gun. Exactly. I definitely should. Um, so we, uh, shall we just zip up into space for a bit? Because we haven't been, oh, one there, of haven't been there for a while. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, as we talked about um, last year, possibly the year before, the UK government has invested in OneWeb, which is uh, mm. people's people curious because it doesn't seem to work very well as far as satellite launching uh, capabilities go. But anyway, they've invested in that. And their goal is to stick 650 satellites up into space to, uh, to provide sort of internet services, which mm -hmm. is uh, altogether you know, a good thing. Now, each of these satellites has a lifespan of just five or six years. So the problem is, what do you do with them afterwards? What do you do with them afterwards? Yeah, In you fact, take, what do you well, do? You take them to the counter tip to get recycled. Well, indeed, that could be the thing that, that, that happens. Thanks to uh, an Oxfordshire company called Astroscale, who are launching their Elsa M spacecraft uh, in a couple of years' time, 2025, uh, which, whose sole purpose is to roam around space cleaning up dead satellites. It, it oh, has a very public spirit of it. It is. Magnetic capture grabs on it. So somehow, it's, I don't know, it's going to find the things. When it finds them, it's going to capture them. And it's going to then either bring them home, which I think is the most unlikely thing for it to do, or just move them somewhere else. Well, sweep them under the carpet, perhaps. <laughs> it doesn't seem as useful as it sounded at first sight. Yes. Well, but but it because, and presumably, how does it know which of the satellites it should be sweeping under the carpet and which ones it should just leave well alone? I mean, it could go rogue oh. and get rid of useful ones. It could. Presumably, it has some way of interrogating the satellite. But as you say, I, I don't know how they're going to drive it and how many satellites it can carry. I suppose they are weightless up there, so that does help. I mean, it could be, you know, it could be some horrible satellite version of, of the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yes. Oh, scary. Yeah. Well, no, actually, it is scary because uh, there, there's a, a big problem with space junk. So earlier this year, Russia uh, ran an anti-satellite missile test, uh, which resulted in 
1,500 pieces of space debris, uh, which sounds like quite a lot, but then you think space is very large, maybe it doesn't matter that much, but mm -hmm. it does matter, because astronauts in the International Space Station were so worried about all this space debris mm -hmm. floating around that they had to evacuate themselves to the re-entry craft in case uh, the space station was stuck by some of this debris and they had to make a quick getaway. Yes. Yes. Oh, it it's not the first time space. they had to move it because of space debris either, I think. I'm sure I've read about it before. Mm. Um, so what uh, What now? Well, let us move on to uh, homework. I mean, you and I, thankfully, don't have to do homework anymore, but we may remember a time mm -hmm. when we did, or we may remember a more recent time when we were helping our children with their homework. Yes, not that yes. long ago. Not yes. that long ago, indeed. Yeah, you think it's all ended when they go to university, but I understand from not just from me, but from other parents, that is not yeah. always the case. Mm. Well, when I was helping my children with uh, young children's homework, I knew most of it, mm. and that I didn't know. I could look up in encyclopedias or whatever. When I was helping my children... Yes, you want to explain older... to people what encyclopedias are. Exactly. It, uh, encyclopedia was a version of Wikipedia that appeared on paper yes. and was updated once every 10 or 15 years. Yes, yes. Hmm. If you wanted to look up Elon Musk, you would be out of luck. That's true. Uh, so 55% of parents, apparently these days, according mm. to talk talk research, are using uh, digital voice assistants, they call them, Alexa, to, mm. uh, to you and I, or Google Home, or indeed Apple HomeKit. And they are using this to help with their homework, and they're asking questions such as the names of Henry VIII's wives, the date of the Great Fire of London, and the details of Pythagoras's theorem. You can't help feeling there are probably easier ways of researching that than asking Alexa. Well, if, if she's sitting there in the corner listening anyway, I then so. I think you may as well. well. Do you think the kids could do that themselves rather than getting their parents involved? Yes. That's I think what parents need is Alexa built into uh, an earpiece. So... Uh, <laughs> The, you can the, the kids can say to them what is uh, what is the Pythagoras theorem? They can maybe tap a button on the side hmm, and say hmm, something like hmm, Pythagoras theorem. I wonder what that was exactly. But after a brief pause, they can just yes. put it out. Yes, that would, well, of course, uh, many people have been ejected from exams for doing pretty much that because they had a friend outside who was talking into the earpiece. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's important for parents to look at all times as if they know everything, and, uh, and which is becoming ever more difficult. Yes. Well, so what is needed is a parental Alexa earpiece that will uh, that will trigger things on a button. Because if you said Alexa, that's a dead giveaway, isn't it? That's true. Yes, that's true. We've triggered by uh, something like, hmm, I wonder. In fact, you can do that because you can have any trigger word you like. So you start off with, hmm, I wonder, as the trigger word. And then you say, I wonder what um, Henry VIII's wives were called. Why don't, when you have an idle moment, why don't you get your Alexas to do exactly that and record it? I, I think I might just do yeah. that. Well, we'll play what it, we'll play it into a future episode of Gadget and Gizmos. So, yeah. uh, where now? We've got uh, well, no, a minute or so, I guess. A minute or so. Well, this is some research from Seoul National University in South Korea, mm -hmm. uh, which has comes up with a somewhat unsurprising fact that people using mobile payment systems are more likely to overspend than people who don't because of course it makes it so much easier to uh, to overspend i know that when i'm buying anything these days i tend to use uh, apple pay on my watch mm -hmm. so i don't even have to get my phone out of my pocket yes and um and they say a third more likely to overspend and they've based this on uh, research of twenty-one thousand 
American adults. And it seems, why weren't they using Korean adults? Since they are based in Korea, yes. it's an awful lot easier for them. I don't know. But also, I have been reading that many people are now turning to cash again because they feel using cash rather than a card or even one of these sort of mobile payment um, systems actually means you notice how much you're spending and you're less likely to overspend even than with a card. Well, you do. It seems like real money. If you can find somewhere that still takes cash. An awful lot of uh, pubs don't take cash anymore. Mm. Um, um, Most market stalls now have uh, card readers. Mm. Yeah, but market Uh, contactless card readers. Um, I know. And uh, so cash, you know, cash may be on the way out. I like good old cash. cash. Never, never let it be said that I'm, you know, not at the forefront of technology. No, we do like cash. Yes. Anyway, that is it for this edition of Gash and Gizmo. We'll be back with more at the same time next week from Steve Kaplan and myself. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.